Welcome to another NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. I'm back in the hot seat this week. And joining us, we have Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Hi, thanks for having me on again. From the Off The Line blog, of course. Give that a read, as well as his, his musings on here. Uh, also joining us, we have Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hello, yes. Uh, back after a week spent um, travelling home from Blythe Spartans last week. But it's nice to be in your company again. Behind Dickie, there's a nice... Uh, picture of the new book's head with a sunset behind it. Will there be a race sometime for itself? We'll find out later on. Uh, also joining us, it is Rob Worrell. Hi, guys. So before we get on to looking at the football, the midweek results, um, there was some really disturbing news in midweek when the Bath City game got abandoned and there was a serious injury to Alex Fletcher, wasn't it, Dickie? Yeah, there was. Um, it, it, the playing Dulwich Hamlet on Tuesday evening, I think the game was probably only about five minutes or so old when um, Alex Fletcher suffered a, a what sounds like an absolutely awful injury, uh, colliding with the uh, perimeter hoardings, which I think some of them had got concrete posts um, and suffering a head injury, had to have emergency neurosurgery on the same evening. Um, and obviously, I think as a consequence of what, his teammates have gone through and the fact that you know they've got a teammate who's clinging on for his his life at the moment in in intensive care um their game was quite reasonably called off yesterday um there's been a huge outpouring of support for alex um as you would expect from 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 the football world you know i suppose people look at that and go that that could have been me that could have been any of us in that situation you know as a player um and it's going to be a really long road back for him by the sound of things um there has been an update today to say that he's still in critical condition but he's showing some signs of improvement um which is positive but it's a very small positive but um you know I, I, on behalf of all of us we just send our best wishes to him his family his teammates um and it's going to be a very long road back for alex and um he's going to require everybody's support and, and he would certainly um have that from us you know even, even though it's just verbal is is all we can offer absolutely and as you say it's more important than football at this time isn't it like you say it's uh we were talking just then before we came on air all about him just looking to lead a normal life at the minute you know, I'm not a medical expert, so, we, you know, we shouldn't, I guess, speculate too much about that. But on the basis of what we've been told about the kind of surgeries had to have, um, you know, I think aspirations at the moment should be, be centred simply around that, about Alex Fletcher just living a normal life again. And then, you know, if he's able to play football again after that, that's terrific. It's what we'd all like to see. Um, but, yeah, it, it, he's got a tough road ahead of him. What stood out for you guys in the National League, Joe? I'm guessing um, it's, it's a talky result. I mean, it's fair to say there's been plenty of goals at Playmore over the last few weeks. Yeah, well, if you've been at Playmore for the last couple of games, you've certainly got your money's worth. Um, I think that someone said yesterday that in in the last sort of five or six games, or certainly this season, Torquay have averaged something like five and a half goals a game. Um in the in this season or something crazy like that, um, but yeah, I mean Chesterfield, we all knew they were they are a good side. Um, yes, they were playing a talky team, which certainly in the second half were very very tired, um, having played three games in eight games with the exact same eleven. Um, but Chesterfield in the second half showed their class. Um, you know, they're, they're able to bring on players like Shamanga that that managed to add another goal to his tally. I mean, they didn't even have to start him and they would have still won comfortably. Um, so, yeah, good win for them. It will be interesting to see what happens this week. Um, obviously, Torquay go to Derby uh, on Tuesday um, and there were calls yesterday for Gary Johnson to rotate his squad ahead of that, but he resisted change and went for the exact same 11. So this team's now got four games in the space of sort of 10 or 11 games or 10 or 11 days. Um ahead of some big, big clashes. I think they've got Barnet um, and Oldham coming up in the league. So, um, yeah, you know, we knew it was going to be a tough afternoon, but it just shows just the difference between Torquay and the top teams. They conceded, obviously, six to Wrexham, five to Chesterfield and, and four against against Notts County. I'm just going to say, Joe, I'm just going to ask you on this one, because clearly a terrific result in the FA Cup last week against Derby. But I guess what that also tends to do is set into context the rest of the season and you think 
you know, you can put in a performance like that against Derby, but then that's followed by, you know, the kind of result. It was a three-all draw with with Dorking in midweek and then, you know, 5-1 yesterday. Um, you know, are the players selling Gary Johnson a bit short somehow in the, the fact that they can, you know, turn up for a big game like that, but haven't done so over the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very easy to say that just because they got a draw against Derby that they should, you know, if, if, they, if they use that as the barometer, then they shouldn't lose another game this season. Um, but yeah, you know, the, Chesterfield had 11 men, um, which I keep getting reminded was the only reason why Torquay managed to get a draw last Saturday against Derby. Um, but Chesterfield did have 11 men, um, certainly in the second half. I mean, first half, Torquay were apparently quite good. Um, you know, managed to contain Chesterfield, but certainly in the second half, you know, Chesterfield have had a week off, they've had a rest, um, and certainly in the second half with their quality that they brought on, um, they managed to really stretch the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Torquay, the, the games against the likes of a Chesterfield are not going to decide whether they stay up. You know, it's the, the games coming up against the likes of Barnet um, and Oldham. Uh, those are those are the key key games that they need. Obviously, they've they've got four points in two big games already against Aldershot and Dorking. Um, so uh, yeah, some big games coming up, and uh, I wouldn't overreact too much on that. Joe, anything else that stood out for you in the, the national league? Um, yes, I think Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, big result for them. Um, I know a lot of their fans, including me, said that McMahon perhaps should have been sacked um, a while back, but he's really responded well. A couple of good signings. Um, I don't know off the top of my head whether Joel Taylor was in the team yesterday for them um, after signing on loan. They've managed to to add him, um, Tyreek Johnson and Sam Smart as well. Um, But yeah, you know, it's a a big result for them because they they have had a tough run. Um, But uh, Matt Robinson uh, had a very, very good birthday. Uh, Two goals for him. Yesterday on his birthday, uh, big for them. Solihull have, have just fallen off a little bit lately. Um, five without a win in in, in all competitions now, um, obviously including the FA Cup. So not a good run for them. But for Dagenham, um, who can still, you know, with the squad they've got, they can still get into the into the playoffs. Um, good win for them uh, on the road. The only other one that I would say would stood out, which I'm not sure whether Rob or Dickie will mention, is um, Maidstone. You know, big win for Maidstone. Um, another manager that was under fire in Hakan Hayretin. Um, lots of calls for him to lose his job, but um, he's responded really well. Good win yesterday for them 2-0. A clean sheet, which will be a, a rarity. But obviously for Scunthorpe, big problems, big, big problems. Um, you know, could we have the first time ever that the both teams that came down from the, the Football League go straight through the, the National League trapdoor. It's a possibility. It's a possibility, definitely. Scunthorpe and Oldham both in the bottom four. Rob, what stood out for you? Well, um, you know, Aldershot Town fans will find it ironic, but I've got to pick out Woking, haven't I? They are in superb form. They're up to and holding fourth place now. And uh, they got a good win on Saturday. But let's just take you back. Let's take you back a little bit since the, uh, I think since the um, 24th of September, they've lost one game and that was uh, 3-2 to Notts County. I think we can forgive them that. But they've beaten Solihull Moors without conceding. They've beaten Halifax without conceding. They've drawn with a very good South End side. Uh, they've knocked Southend out of the FA Cup. They've then beaten Gateshead, were held 3 all by Dorking. And then they've beaten Eastleigh 1-0, Yeovil 1-0, Bromley 2-0 away from home, and now Boreham Wood 1-0 away from home. Absolutely backed up um, the excitement amongst their fan base that they could be involved in a playoff race this year. Um, to go back-to-back back away to Bromley and Boreham Wood and win both those games without conceding is superb. Uh, so Darren Sell's really getting it all together now. And Rico, uh, uh, Reece, sorry, Greg Cox is really amongst the goals. He's uh, averaging a goal every other game at the moment. So, yeah, Woking stood out for me. Um, and, and apart from them, obviously there was a game I, I, I was at touch on that one briefly in a bit but it wasn't particularly headline stuff um apart from that 
the uh, the boy. I, I wanted to just nip back to the Torquay Chesterfield game and whatever the circumstances were for Torquay and how many big games they've had and and all the rest lately. The quality of the Chesterfield goals, uh, three or four of them, absolutely outstanding. Some really really fine finishes. So they're the things that stood out for me. Yeah, interesting. Walking are, are in fourth. Wrongly point behind Chesterfield, although Chesterfield have played a game or less. Um, a couple of results which I might pick out, but Dickie may well get to them before me. Dickie, what sort of help for you? It's difficult to not not to consider the the, the race at the the top, isn't it? In Notts County and Wrexham, and I suppose Wrexham's goalless draw at Wealdstone, particularly a Wealdstone side who um, have not been in great form of late, um, but hadn't played for the best part of 10 days or so before that game. Didn't have a game in midweek. There was no game for them last weekend because of the FA Cup. Um, and it looks as if they poured all their efforts into um, that game against Wrexham yesterday. And, and to, to shut Wrexham's scoring down, um, we've, we've spoken about the fact that Wrexham can be vulnerable defensively. You know, they're quite often involved in these high-scoring shootouts. But you would always back Wrexham to find the net in a game and the fact that they've shut down that attack and got themselves a very creditable point um, was a really really good result for Stuart Maynard's team um, a real confidence booster I would have thought um, and back it allowed Notts County as well for them as well yeah, in the yeah it allowed Notts County to, to retake the lead as well which of course had changed hands in midweek Notts County's 2-2 draw at Southend on Tuesday night uh, which was the BT Sport televised game and a really another really good advert for the National League um but then uh, because of that drop points for Notts County, if we can call it drop points away to Southend, um, it was a, a 3-1 win for Wrexham at Scunthorpe on Wednesday, which enabled them to take the lead. And um, I know, uh, I don't know if it might have been um, Aaron McLean who said, you know, uh, you'll have difficulty shifting Wrexham from the top now. And then four days later, they've been shifted. <laughs> I mean, we're not, we're not talking about big changes. You know, there's a point in it, but it just goes to show that unpredictability of this division means, you know, nothing certain, certainly not at this stage of the season. Dickie, South End as well, they're in fifth place. Um, lots of stuff off the field has been going on. Uh, they won 2 0 against Darkening. Looking as well, the goals conceded, but comfortably the best in division by four goals. They've only conceded 13 goals in 19 games. So looking good on the pitch, off the pitch is still a bit more sort of uncertainty, isn't there? Yeah, there is. It's really easy to see why Southend United fans are so frustrated at the moment because for the first time in a long time on the field, they seem to be going in the right direction. As you say, defensively, they're solid, but they've got scoring as well. So put the two together, you know, that, that we know what that means. You, you'll be a competitive side. They are a competitive side, but of course, there's always this shadow about the, um, you know, the, the way things have been run um, off the field, hanging over them. They were in court. Um, I think it was HMRC had brought a winding up order against them on Wednesday. That's been adjourned for 56 days. So that can's been kicked down the road somewhat. It, you, you would understand from that if the can has been kicked down the road, then obviously there's been some promises made there that people acting on behalf of HMRC have been reasonably satisfied with and that a judge has been reasonably satisfied with. But it means that Southend remain under an embargo, so they can't do any transfer business. Um, for another well it's been adjourned for 56 days so i don't know whether that's going to take us into january when there might be a window and if they're going well you know south end fans would doubtless be hoping that they might be able to bring in another player or two who could really sort of um power to them towards um maybe well you know who knows possibly even a, a title shot at it we're thinking more realistically playoffs um but yeah, it's just such a, a a frustrating club to support, I would imagine, at the moment, just because of the contrast between the two situations. Rob, I know you're a big sort of um, preacher of Dean Brennan's football, and they won at Oldham, as I mentioned, Oldham now in the bottom four. Uh, that's back-to-back wins for them. They're on a decent run, only one defeat in their last six games. And uh, they're back up into seventh. They started the season well, had a blip, and they're back on track again. They certainly are, and um, Chin Barnett's 2-0 win at Oldham. And, and yeah, that, that, that did stand out as well. It's back-to-back wins in the space of a few days for Barnett as well. They're right back up into those playoff positions. And the one thing I've really noticed about Barnett is that this time round, Idris Khan, now dropping back to the National League from 
his time with Peterborough in League One, has added the one thing that's always been missing from his game, and that's goals. He's starting to score regularly now. I, I don't have the stats in front of him, but it's at least four, if not five, since he uh, joined Barnet. So, um, yeah, really good to see Idris Carney doing well. And, um, you know, rare, I guess, to see Barnet win a couple of games with clean sheets as well. I wonder if he's uh, tweaked something. I've not looked at his lineups. Joe, you've talked about the fact that he signed a few centre-backs who were all from relegated sides last year and they were conceded hatfuls earlier in the season. But he looks to tweak something, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, I mean, it probably the, the fact that they've been playing the likes of Oldham uh, has probably helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, what, what we've said all season is if they can sort that out at the back, then they will be a good side because, you know, they've got the quality going forward. Um, and yeah, if they can keep it a bit tighter, then, then who knows? Yeah, Dickie, I know you mentioned in the week that signed Peter Clark, an experienced player who's been at the club before. Um, obviously couldn't stop him from heading to defeat on Saturday. But I think York were the last team, weren't they, to have back-to-back relegations? And like I say, Oldham, it's a difficult one. The knives are out for David Under with only one win since he's taken over as manager, the fourth loss in a row in all competitions. And, and like we mentioned earlier, could we have one, not one, but two clubs coming straight from League Two and dropping straight through? I don't think we can rule it out. No, I really don't. I mean, it, it looks to me, just looking down the Oldham lineup from their game yesterday, that there's been a recognition that perhaps they do need more experience in that side. You know, they brought in players recently. I think Mark Kitching's come in recently. You've got Clark, you've got Liam Hogan, John Rooney was brought in. Um, so, you know, they, they, they've got a little bit more nous in that team now, but it, but it just doesn't seem to be happening for them. And I suppose if you look at those four losses in a row that they've had, I mean, one of them against Wrexham in the FA Cup at Wrexham, perhaps an expected result. But I think the other ones against Altrincham, against Halifax and against Barnet, who are, with no disrespect to any of those sides, that they're middle of the table sides in this division. If they're losing to those sides um, in the way that they are, it, it doesn't bode well for Oldham at the moment you know David Under's got a big job on his hands there um I I think the fact that he is going for for experience is probably a recognition that you know they they do need that people who've been there and done it a little bit more but what you have to hope is that, that what they haven't done is dangled financial incentives in front of players there who are more interested in in the money than what they can actually bring to Oldham Athletic I mean no you know I'm I'm not leveling that at any of those individuals so I'll, I'll be clear about that um but you know it's a difficult it, it, it's a hard situation to, to to be in you know they I saw them get relegated at the end of last season and they looked like a relegation team um and it's just a really, really difficult ship to turn around when you're on that path. It's a huge kudos as well, right, for the National League. The fact that Oldham and Scunthorpe are in the bottom four is yet more evidence of just how professional this league is, how difficult it is to pick points up in this league. And yeah, we know it's tough for, for, for league clubs, especially big league clubs coming down to this level that haven't been down at this level before. We talked about it year in, year out. But you know, they've both changed managers, they've freshened up their squads and it's still not enough to compete at this level week in, week out. So uh, another little fillip for me for the National League and no disrespect meant to Oldham or, or Scunthorpe. It's funny, I have seen the argument made. I'm not, I'm not going to come back to the three-up, three-down argument too much, but one of the arguments I've seen made in favour of the three-up, three-down is that if you come down, having a third spot to go back up gives you more opportunity of returning if you get relegated. And there's such a naivety about that. You know, the idea that, oh, there's another space open. We'll, of course, we'll be in contention for that. Well, I think Alderman Scunthorpe could put people right on that very much this season. There's a, a massive cluster in the middle of the pack of the National League. Like Rob said, it just shows how tight and competitive it is. So you've got Bournemouth in eighth, just outside the playoff places on 28 points. All the way down to your boys, Robin, 18th Aldershot on 20 points. And it just feels like if you could put back-to-back wins together, all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, we're looking up towards the playoffs here. You saw two of those sides in that cluster, Aldershot and Maidenhead on Saturday. I did, yeah. And there were there were big hopes in that one for Aldershot. They'd had 10 days to lick their wounds from the uh, 6-1 defeat at Torquay. And there was still a good feeling about it, the fact that uh, under the temporary management of, of 
Ross McNeely and James Edmonds. They, they'd won three of the four games and they were looking for a little bit more of the form from the first three of those games. But they just didn't get off to a good start. Maidenhead basically showed both sides of their game on Saturday. First 20, 25 minutes, quite brilliant, good game plan. Uh, Remy Clarema playing far, far further up the pitch than I've ever seen him before. Uh, wreaking a bit of havoc on the uh, right attacking channel for Maidenhead. And they were quite incisive and they got through all the shots twice in the first 20 minutes. And then, to be perfectly honest, after Aldershot made a few adjustments, they looked like the side that had won the last uh, three of the last four. And they got one goal back at the start of the second half, but they couldn't add to it. And, and Maidenhead were just so gritty, so resilient. Um, yet again, more evidence that Alan Devonshire knows how to win football matches at this level. But uh, after the game, I caught up with uh, Maidenhead's assistant manager, Ryan Peters. Back to winning ways. Three points on the road at Aldershot. Um and a very contrasting performance, if I may say. Really incisive in the first 25 minutes yeah. and gritty and determined after that. Agreed. We had a long trip up to Yeovil on Tuesday. Got a point out of it. And now if you have a look to this week and getting three points here, it was a very, very good point on Tuesday. You're right. First half was much better than the second. A lot more attacking display in the first half. Wasn't quite able to get our attacking flow going in the second half. But then you look at our defensive display and we've managed to, uh, to hold out. And uh, may I ask about that approach? Because I, I know you, you, you know the situation here at Aldershot and, and you know that Aldershot had no choice but to come into this game on the front foot today. But you didn't let them. They couldn't get out of their own half. Um, give us a little bit of insight post-match. <laughs> oh, no, we looked, at, we looked at the analysis and yeah. the patterns are very, very good. But the, the one that they really enjoy doing is that, that dive over to Big Effion. So we knew if we didn't get close enough to Effion and stop that first ball up, it was going to be a long day. So we managed to nullify that to a degree. And it allowed us, because we was able to get close to the first ball, to then be able to mount attacks and score two goals early. Um, didn't look so easy second half, but they haven't had many, too many shots on that goal, so we've done enough. And Remy Clarima, um, I, think he's been, I, I, I don't know if there was any deflection on his goal, but he got the goal, but he did so much more than that. He, he was pivotal in that first half display. There are certain players that you wouldn't necessarily see them in one position. Remy can play just about anywhere on the field. And whenever you need him, he's always there. Um, he's done really, really well today. His engine is immense. He's great in the air. He is a terrific athlete. And wherever it is we put him, he does very, very well. He's, he's really, really good today, along with all the other boys. Yeah, that was Ryan Peters, somebody who knows Alan Devonshire well. I've been played under him at Braintree. And it's interesting in our WhatsApp group, Rob, we just put, we've been devved, didn't you? <laughs> we've been devved, yeah. I spoke with Dev briefly before the game, just to really set up a chat afterwards. But in the end, to be fair, he... Um, you know, Ryan Peters was about Dev wasn't. I think we all know Dev's not. He doesn't relish the media side of things. He's never turned me down for an interview. To be fair, um, but I have to say, I enjoyed that chat with Ryan Peters, and it and it had similar uh, kind of feel to it. Really, sort of less than two minutes, four or five questions asked briskly, uh, getting to the point. And yeah, it's one of the little factors I think about why Maidenhead do so well. Um, some managers complicate football. Alan Devonshire is one of those that doesn't. He picks two or three simple, effective tactics and says, go out there and do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we, we must pay and praise kind of almost every other week on this podcast. I fell victim this year, didn't I, of finally saying I thought Maidenhead might be one of the four, but <laughs> they're not going to be. They're not going to be because he's just too canny. Oh, um, big wins down at the bottom for Yeovil and Altrincham. Yeah, well, I was at one of them. Um, I was at Yeovil. Um, big game for them. Had to beat Gateshead um, if they wanted really to to start turning their thing uh, their form around. Big win for them. Uh, obviously, didn't start well. Goal for for Will Harris for Gateshead to put them one nil up. Um, but once uh, Yeovil got there first, a lovely ball in from Anthony Georgiou, signed on loan from Leighton Orient. Fantastic ball in, and luckily for Alex Fisher, he didn't have to do a lot to get on, uh, put it in the back of the net. Just had to put his head down, and in it went. Um, and after that, they they sort of controlled the proceedings. Um, Yeovil were were gritty. Um, the players that Mark Cooper has added um, in the final third has been have been have made an impact. Um, Oliver Bory, um, I think he is called uh, from Peterborough, um, looked really really sharp. Um, and Georgiou as well uh, looked good. Um, obviously, Alex Fisher got got his second, had a chance for three, um, and blazed it high and wide and almost out of the ground. Um, but uh, Gateshead had a very very good chance right near the end. 
Um, they won a header uh, straight over the top and the whole Yeovil back line sat and waited for the Lino to put his flag up, which didn't come. And I believe it was Will Harris um, took a couple of touches and then bobbled a P-roller wide of the target. Um, and that was the end of the story. Yeovil got a third fairly quickly and big three points for them. As for Gateshead, they looked okay, but nothing better than okay. You know, they passed it around nicely. But other than that, no real substance to it. Um, obviously, they didn't have Greg Ollie yesterday, um, which obviously would have made an impact because he's a good player, can get on the ball. But uh, yeah, problems for uh, for Gateshead. Who I was a bit surprised that Mike Williamson was actually playing yesterday. They were so adamant that they had to pass it out from the back. And every time he got on the ball, it was a bit of a, a Bambi on ice Um at, uh, at there, but uh, yeah, big win for Yeovil. Uh, lots of work for Gateshead. Dicky, I know with with Gateshead, obviously they've got that style. Do you think they need to go away from it? And and do you think they'll be worried? I think they will be. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, that styles have Gateshead hugely well in the uh, National League North last season. You know they were by far the the the, the biggest attacking force in that division, um, and then. Um, We've spoken about the loss of Scott and Lang stuff, but you know, they, 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 when you've got a pattern of play, when you've got a way of playing, um, you would hope that wouldn't disrupt them too much. That the players, Adam Campbell, I think who's coming up front, is is a capable forward. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny, Joe. I looked down the lineups as well and saw the fact that Mike Williamson had put himself back in the lineup and and thought, as an indicator of how things are going, that's not ideal because you know you. you your man who's directing things from the touchline, deciding he's better off on the field isn't isn't ideal. Um, and yeah, I think Gateshead will be concerned with where they are, absolutely. And one thing they've not done is they've not turned their own stadium into anything like the kind of fortress that, that they would want to. You know, I said at the start of the season, it'd be a huge, huge help for Gateshead as it is for any team if they can just take advantage of the fact that teams have got a really long old haul all the way up to Gateshead to play matches and 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 that they convert, you know, more of the points that are on offer at home um, than they have done so far. Yeah, there was only two wins all season, last win on the 24th of September. Um, and I think just for their own confidence, they need something fairly soon out of a game, really, just so that they don't start to get down on themselves. Um, I do admire Mike Williamson for playing the way they play, but you've got to be a pragmatist sometimes as well. And yeah, they might have to make a change, not managerial, but yeah, they might have to adapt their style somewhat to, to the league that they're in. In the, in the BT, the late game, um, in the late game on BT, Altrincham came from behind to beat York. And there's always something that I think it makes it a better win, doesn't it? When you come from behind like that as well. I mean, the, the, the second goal from, Altrincham was really good on the break as well, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I've just been watching the goals. Lovely finish from Colecroft once again. He's the winner there. A uh, couple, of, couple of big chances for the shot, but the shot was closed late on after Altrincham led to one. John Lewis coming, coming pretty close, but um, no, really good goals for Altrincham. Good day for them. Big three points in front of the TV cameras. Um, and uh, yeah, Lancashire, is that right? Beating, um, is it Greater Manchester or Lancashire? Anyway, it's Cheshire, Rob. The, uh, <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I mean, they'll class it as sort of um, a Roses match. Like, yeah, Greater Manchester, but match, it's actually yeah, in a way. part of the Cheshire yeah. set, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, moot point perhaps then, but uh, nevertheless, uh, whichever way you look at it, a really good day for Altrincham and, and, and probably for York, a little bit of a blip along the road. I think they'd be most disappointed, as you say, that they took the lead and they couldn't hold on in that one. Yeah, only one winning eight now for York in the league and, and that came against Torquay. Hopefully, Joe is informed me. Um, not a surprise, really, anyway. <laughs> Another game, the final game, was Bromley and Halifax played out a 1-1 draw. Jamie Cook cancelling out Michael Cheek's opener. Yeah, I set up the guy who was commentating alongside me, Steve Gibbs, yesterday. And I said, Notts County had gone 1-0 up at Eastleigh. And if I said to you, who scored it? Who would you say? And he went, Macaulay Langstaff. I said, no, Adam Chickson with his seventh of the season. <laughs> yeah. 
well, I wonder if the, the chicks will come home to roost and, and win the golden boot. Boom! Yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to include it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I'm going to include that now. Um, he, he's in a bit of a scoring competition against Jeff King, isn't he, for being who, who can be the top scoring fullback in the division. And I don't think either of them take penalties either, you know, so to have the kind of numbers they are is 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 quite something. We're going to look at the National League South and it's a really interesting weekend in the National League South. There was a surprise defeat at home for Ebsfleet. They lost 2-1 at home to Tombridge. Sonny Miles with the winner there. Darford are in second and they couldn't take advantage. They lost 3-1 away at Farm, but there's been no FA Cup hangover to Farm, as the Rob, they drew 0-0 in midweek with Eastbourne Borough, and like I say, really good win over Dartford. Yeah, I think it's more about competition for places to play at uh, Hollywood in a couple of, I mean, Wrexham in a couple of weeks, Farnborough, uh, fantastic for them. Uh, I must admit, I got a train booked to Wrexham next week for the Aldershot game, and when the FA Cup draw came out, it was crossing my mind, which Saturday would it be? And I thought, you know what, if it is the 19th and all the shots games postponed, it's all good because I'll just take the train anyway and go cover the Farnborough game. But uh, uh, all the shot and Farnborough will go up to Wrexham the next two Saturdays, just two miles apart, of course, those clubs. But uh, Farnborough, by all accounts, um, I've got a good friend who uh, was at the game yesterday uh, and they said, without a shadow of a doubt, their best performance of the season of course, Dartford had won, what, nine out of ten, I think, prior to that. But uh, Hisham Kasimu put them ahead in the first half. Jonathan Page doubled it. And even though Christian Campbell pulled a goal back for Dartford with 25 minutes to go, uh, Ollie Pendlebury got uh, a third goal for Farnborough on 70 minutes, which just kind of sustains their recent good form in the league and the FA Cup. And, uh, you know, it's really started to lift them a lot clear of trouble now. They're up to... 21 points, they're up to 15th um, and they're only actually eight points off of off the, the playoffs. So um, that was a good response to them. Uh, Franny Amati recalled by Aldershot, although not involved at the weekend. Um, and it might mean, of course, that uh, Amati now can't be involved in the next round of the FA Cup at Wrexham, which will be disappointing for him. But for Farnborough, that's a tremendous result in the league and, um, you know, putting a bit of a blot on what's been a fantastic run recently for Alan Dowson's Dartford. Haven't moved closer to the top. Uh, they won 5-1 against Dulwich Hamlet. Good win for them down there. There's a couple of goals for Danny Wright, James Roberts with a couple as well, a Mulfile with a goal. George Porter, he got the Dulwich goal and really interesting weekend, as I mentioned there at the top. Um, Joe, we meant, as we heard there from Rob about Dartford slip up. Eversleets was quite surprising in that Kent derby, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't have expected them to lose that one, um, given how good they've been this season and especially coming into the weekend off the back of a, a good win in the FA Cup um, against Halifax. But as we've seen with a number of sides that have caused upsets in the FA Cup, there's a bit of a, a letdown after. Um, you know, their levels have sort of dropped. But again, you know, we've talked about haven't when Ebb's fleet don't win, haven't have got to make sure that they win. And especially the fact that they lost to Ebb's fleet a couple of weeks ago, um, haven't had to win yesterday, and they did. Um, it pains me as a Torquay fan seeing four goals yesterday for haven't all scored by former Torquay players. Um, but uh, yeah, a good win for them. Um, two goals right at the end for Danny Wright, who will still be a very, very good player in that division. Um, and a good win for them. Uh, three points off the top now, I believe. And uh, it's all so, so close at the top. It's going to be a really, really good finish uh, for the for the title. Yeah, I mean, Chelmsford have, have slipped up, haven't they? they? They had a good draw at Barnet, as I mentioned, in the FA Cup last week. Then drew nil-nil at home to Dover on Monday and then lost 2-0 at home. Hampton and Richmond Borough on Saturday. That puts them five points behind Haven. The only caveat you'd have is Dartford have played two more games in Ebbsfleet, Haven and Chelmsford. Yeah, I mean, I, my, my money would still be on um, perhaps Ebbsfleet and Haven to, to win it, the, the title. Um, and whoever doesn't will come second. Um, because obviously Dartford have played more games and I don't think are as good, but it's going to be close. I mean, there's so many teams at the top that you, uh, you know, only a, only a couple of points away from each other. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting. As you said there, Ch- uh, another team, Chelmsford, who did really, really well in the FA Cup and then 
you know, they return to the league and it's a bit of a bit of a letdown. Um, you know, all the efforts that they've exerted last weekend sort of uh, back to uh, back down to planet Earth. Yes, yeah, so Albans have had a mixed bag this season, but they are in the playoff places. They, they slipped up on Saturday. They lost 1-0 away at Eastbourne Borough. Jake Hutchinson with the goal there. And nobody's really talked about St Albans, have they, Joe? Do you think they're too inconsistent to maybe stay in the playoffs? Um, well, they've certainly got a goal scorer. Um, and, you know, at this level, if you've got a good goal scorer, then you've got a really good chance. Um, and Sean Jeffers, you know, he knows where the back of the net is. And uh, um, obviously they've, they've got a good squad. They've got a, a team of players that have been in and around it the last couple of seasons. Um, and if you were looking at those in the playoffs at the moment, you'd perhaps back them over the likes of a, a Worthing or a Braintree. Um, in the long run. But um, yeah, I mean, the, defensively, um, that was their strength, but not so much this season. But I, I would still back them to be in there. Um, you know, when you get those tight games that really decide a season, you need someone to have a moment of quality. Uh, and they got that in Sean Jeffers. Yeah, brain to remain in seventh, despite losing down at Weymouth. Weymouth's Second win of the season in the league. That moves them on to eight points. They're still four points behind second bottom at Chesham. But a bit of a coupon buster, that one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Weymouth, uh, again, got a, a good result in the FA Cup, but they then followed it up with a good performance in the league. You know, they need to start winning games because already, uh, they're already, what, nine points adrift before the weekend um, and playing a good Braintree side, strong side. Um, who've been in good form, um, but a good win for them. I think um, their manager is uh, Bobby Wilkinson is slowly bringing about some improvements there. Um, you know, the key for them was just stop conceding so many goals, and it looks like they have now. You know, another clean sheet yesterday. Um, one of their recent signings, Matsuzaka, uh, got the only goal of the game. So uh, yeah, good win for them, um, and uh, long may it continue. And what else stood out for you, Joe, in the National League South? Um, Taunton. Um, you know, I always have an eye on Taunton. Um, and they, obviously, after the disappointment of the FA Cup, I mean, most people would have expected MK Dons to win. Um, and Taunton, obviously, didn't play out their best, how they know they can. Um, but they got a big win yesterday. That's Their home form, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, and they hardly lose a game at home. Um, another win yesterday, 1-0, clean sheet. Um, against a, a team in Chesson that probably will be down there near the bottom at the end of the season. Um, the other one that really stood out for me was Welling. Um, not so much because of the game. I mean, the game is, you know, muchness, um, you know, one all draw. But Welling, they, they can't seem to, to get that consistency. Um, you know, we, I said at the start of the season that I actually backed Welling's uh, Warren, uh, their manager Warren Feeney to be the first manager sacked uh, in the division, and I would be shocked if he's there at the end of the season. You know, with the squad they've got, fantastic squad, um, they just can't win. You know, they they can't win that win games. They c can't be consistent, and I I think they're out of the playoffs now. If uh, I'm right in thinking, yeah, yeah down four to eleven, points out, four points outside of the playoffs. So that'll be their argument. I mean, they have played a game more than sort of the teams around them but yeah I mean obviously you wouldn't you know sack him now um, and you know you wouldn't throw any toys out the pram given they're only four points off um, but you know for the squad they've got they should be doing better um, so uh, yeah Concord um, you know their new manager uh, has come in um, and that moves them two points clear with the drop zone now so uh, yeah big win for or big uh, big point for them yeah Dover and Chippen and Adrie won a piece down in Ken Hungerford they beat Slough by two goals to one Oxford City and Hamill Hempstead, they played out a 2-2 two -two draw well we'll move on now and look at the National League North as a parent, you want to protect your kids. You know you can't keep them wrapped up in cotton wool forever, but there are some things that you can do, like keeping their vaccinations up to date. Some childhood diseases are on the rise again, like measles and whooping cough, and they can cause severe illness. Childhood vaccinations can help prevent them. So, are your child's vaccinations up to date? To find out more, search online for NHS Vaccinations. 
And in the National League North, it is Brackley who are at the top. I mean, there was a few eyebrows raised at Roger Johnson's appointment, but he's uh, he's doing a good job there, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly uh, is at the moment. And I think, you know, the, the early season, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say woes, but the early season... Um, slightly underwhelming nature of Brackley's start to the campaign is is a distant memory now, I think, now that Roger Johnson has has taken over. Um you know, I think sometimes these things happen. I think I think occasionally um as as successful as a club can have been and they undoubtedly were hugely successful under Kevin Wilkin. Um a fresh voice, um, you know, a, a change at the helm can do, you know, wonders for a team. <clears throat> And you know that that that's how things certainly looking at the moment for for Brackley Town. They had a two all draw in midweek at Southport, but yeah, followed that up with um, victory yesterday, and I think they're now three points clear. Yeah, late late shows well. Ninety third minute winner from Adam Rooney. They're three points clear of Kingsland, but Kingsland do have three games in hand on them. They won three 0 at home to Kidderminster. Sounded a fairly routine win. Um, it did. Um, Kingsland. Um, they have a, an FA Cup second round tie to look forward to as well, one that's going to be televised. Um, so they've got, um, you know, lots to look forward to. Um, they got a three-all draw with Scarborough in midweek, which I have to admit, at the point that Scarborough went 3-1 ahead in that game, I thought that Kings Lynn were heading for defeat, but they just showed, you know, just how resilient a side that they are. They recovered from that to get a three-all draw. Um, goals from Tommy Wood, uh, no, Theo Widrington, not Tommy. He brought himself off the bench. That'd be quite something. Um, but yeah, him and Goldon Mateo, um, uh, got goals in the last 10 minutes of the game. And that's very reminiscent of the way Kings Lynn were when they, um, I won't say they won the title, but when they achieved promotion by getting the highest PPG in this division a few seasons ago, they were similarly resilient, winning games late on. Um, and yet uh, a 3-0 against Kidderminster Harriers yesterday. Um, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, it was very much a, a, an expected result given the way that Kidminster are playing so far this season. I think Amateo was on target again, um, just having a look. He was, Widrington also, and Josh Coulson. And uh, it, it's really, um, I think the fact that Kingsland have put themselves in a position to potentially bounce back so soon um, says an awful lot for for you know, what Tommy Widrington's got there and his abilities as a manager, because we speak about, or I speak about, and uh, I, I, t- I think you tend to agree with me because you don't complain, um, but losing mentalities at a football club. And when you get locked into a losing mentality, it can be hard to turn around. You know, Kings Lynn struggled for the majority of last season, but they've, you know, put all that to the back of their minds and, and they look like the team to beat in this division, even though Brackley are top, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, just a point to make, I mean, I would still back Kings Lynn uh, to win the league. Um, I think their squad is very, very strong. The only thing that I would perhaps question, and um, which be interesting to see how they handle it, is obviously they've got through in the next round of the FA Cup. We saw Kidderminster last year, you know, in the race for promotion, and then they had, had their FA Cup exploits. Can they continue their league form after the, you know, their FA Cup foray? Um, there's obviously since Kidderminster played in the FA Cup, um, you know, they ended last season really poorly and it's translated into this. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they cope with, you know, their their run in the FA Cup and see if they can continue getting results. Yeah, they got, they got a nice tie out of that. You know, I mentioned it being televised. They're at home to Stevenage. Um, I, have a, I don't know if it might potentially not even be a f- the, the Friday night game, um, although potentially that would clash with the England versus USA in the World Cup. So I really don't know if the broadcaster is going to move that one just yet. Um, but yeah, they, they have got the potential to go further, but you're, you're exactly right. There is a hangover when you are the centre of attention in a competition like the FA Cup and then that comes to an end, which it inevitably will at some point. Um, and it, how you respond to that is is can be quite key to the, you know, whether that can either def- define your season as a success or as a failure, yeah. You would say, though, that the full-times and maybe they'll be able to recover slightly better than maybe a few other of the National League North and South teams are involved in the FA Cup. Uh, Darlington, they say level on points with Kings Lynn, albeit they played three games more. And 
they lost at home to AC Fylde, who are just outside the playoffs on goal difference. And it was uh, it was that man Superman again, wasn't it, Dickie? Uh, I take it Nick Horton's uh, underpants and cape were out of the wash yesterday if uh, Foyle got a victory. Um, he yeah, he, got the he was. Yeah, he was on target again. You know, he's a hugely important player to AFC Foyle. You know, I don't it, uh, you know, we might get some stick for for potentially overstating this, but it, it is really hard to uh, underestimate or, or yeah, you can't put a price on what Nick Horton's worth to AFC Foyle. Um and uh, yeah, disappointment for Darlington. Darlington had a three-one win in midweek, um, and they've been going great guns. They beat Dar- uh, they beat Alfreton in midweek, um, and would have been looking to capitalise on that with um, you know a big scalp against Fylde yesterday. But that, that, I feel like that's an important result for Fylde as well. That you know they they haven't appointed anybody permanently yet. Andy Taylor is still in caretaker charge there, um, and. There's a bit of you says you have to wonder why that is the case. You know that they're not looking. They've got to be looking for the right man. You know, and they clearly haven't found him yet. At the same time, it doesn't seem as if they're entirely sold that Andy Taylor is that mine either. Or well, they'd have put him in post. Um, but that was a really important victory for them yesterday, and a bit of a dent for uh, Alan Armstrong's team. Yeah. Would you put them into title contention, Dickie? They've got four games in hand on Brackley. That's ten points away from them. They're a full-time side in a largely part-time division, so I wouldn't rule that out. We saw how important that was last season in that the majority of the playoff places and the promotion places were contested by those sides who were full-time. So, yeah, if if I'll get themselves sorted out in terms of you know, making a, a, a hard and fast decision on who their manager is going to be for the rest of the season with those games in hand, with that status. Yes, I would expect them to have a bigger say in it. Whether they're slightly too far behind um, to make a run for the title, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to say yes, because um, when it comes to my own team at the other end of the table, they're 12 points behind. I'm not wanting to write their chances off. So um, let's not say anything's done and dusted in November. Yeah, the only other team who are within sort of touching distance of Kingsland and Darlington are Scarborough having a remarkable season. Again, they were 2-1 down with 12 minutes to go away at Gloucester and managed to win by three goals to two. And they've got a cushion now on the team below them. Yeah, they have. Um, that's a little bit of a blow for um, Stephen King's Gloucester side. I think they lost in midweek as well. So having gone on a, a tremendous run since he, he first came into the club, they've um, hit a little bit of a bump in the road. But yeah, they have a horror terrific. show for Stephen King this week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that uh, writes itself, that one. Um, and oh, look, even a pun within a pun there. <laughs> um, but yeah, Scarborough, terrific. Uh, Dom Tia um, equalising Trey Mitford's goal yesterday um, within 10 minutes of the game starting. Mitford put Gloucester ahead in the 63rd minute. But uh, goals from uh, Luca Colville, yeah, and Lewis Maloney um, uh, gave them, you know, the, the the result they were looking for. No Michael Coulson on the, on the score sheet yesterday. We know he's a really important man for him. But in the absence of him scoring, other players stepping up there. So that's... Another good sign for Scarborough. Yeah, what else stood out for you, uh, Dickie, and Ashley North? Um, well, just looking down it, I don't suppose it's certainly not Alfreton's nil-nil draw with Bradford Park Avenue. I think probably, <laughs> although that's a very good point for Bradford Park Avenue, I have to say. Um, a good win for Boston United over Blythe. Boston seemed to be putting their um, travails from the early part of the season under Paul Cox behind them um, under Ian Culverhouse has been players going in and out there. I know Ellis Miles left and has joined Kettering. Uh, Kettering had a really good win in midweek. Couldn't follow that up with uh, a victory yesterday. They fell 2-0 to Chorley. Goals from Connor Hall and Jack Sampson. Um, Chester got a draw at Banbury in midweek 2-2 but couldn't follow that up um, with a win. They got a draw against Leamington yesterday 1-1. I think Banbury's 4-0 mm. away win looks like a big one, particularly because Banbury, I wouldn't say free fall, but from the heights that they hit in the first month or so of the season, there's been a decline there. And you were, you know, starting to wonder if maybe some of the realities of the division were um, uh, taking hold. But yeah, that's a really, really impressive first, uh, win against Buxton. First league win for them since the 24th of September and the first win away from home since the 20th of August for Banbury. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely needed. Alex Babos with one goal, Giorgio Rasulo with a couple, and uh, yeah, Jay Williams on target with the fourth. And that's that's a bit of a kick in the teeth for Buxton as well. Obviously, um, Jamie Vermiglio was on the uh, BBC's FA Cup programme last Monday night, you know, with looking at Buxton being in the second round for a second season in a row. That's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's one of those ties where you think, you wonder if that sometimes managers learn a lot about their players in that you know when you've got a tie like that coming up as to how they play in the games leading up to it you know are they holding back a little bit um I don't know we shouldn't prejudge that situation but certainly losing 4-0 at home isn't an acceptable result in at any stage of the season whether you've got big cup ties or anything coming up none of the teams in the bottom four won either did the dicky uh, no, they didn't. The bottom four remains largely unchanged. And, you know, looking at the bottom four, you'd say hey, it's going to take a lot for, well, it's going to take a huge effort for my own team, Telford, to get out of that. They lost 1-0 at home to Hereford yesterday. It was Hereford uh, that lost to Kettering in midweek, which I think did raise my hopes that there might be something in that one for Telford yesterday. Telford didn't have a game in midweek. Um, a waterlogged pitch meant their game against Farsley didn't go ahead. But yeah, Ryan McLean on target for Hereford in the 16th minute. He lives in Telford, so would have enjoyed that goal. Probably wouldn't have enjoyed the long walk to the dressing room in the 85th minute when he got a straight red card for uh, a foul on Devon Green. A little bit contentious, but, you know, uh, he, he had to walk for that one. So, hero and zero within the same game. Um, did put his side under pressure a little bit by going down to 10 men, but that's a good win for Hereford and another massive disappointment for Telford. Six defeats in a row now, five of those under Kevin Wilkin. I don't think that says anything about Kevin Wilkin as a manager. I said, I think that speaks volumes about the underlying problems at Telford, which he's trying to correct at the moment. Um, I mentioned Farsley there. They didn't play in midweek. They they were en route to Telford when that game was called off, and there was some annoyance about that when the referee called that off when they got a hammering at Southport yesterday. Four goals to nil. Goals from Jordan Archer, Adam Anson, and then two for Niall Watson, son of manager Liam. Um, Elsewhere in the bottom four, I think we've mentioned Blythe uh, being defeated. Bradford Park Avenue, but I've mentioned their draw with Alfredton already, which, you know, in context, the best result of the day from anybody in the bottom four, and it's a nil-nil draw. Yeah, and the other result there was uh, Peterborough Sports Edge 1-1 at home to Spennymore. It was a goal 10 minutes from time from Manish Sané, the Portuguese, who rescued a point there for Peterborough Sports well, that is it. Thank you very much for listening. Joe, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Um, I hope at some point I can come on and uh, talk about a talky win, but I live in hope. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hope you are both well. Yeah, don't forget to read Joe's blog as well, the Off The Line blog. Well, well, thanks for joining us, Rob. Pleasure as always, guys. Have a good week. Dickie, thank you. No, you're very welcome. It's always good to be in your company, chaps. And this has been the NL Full Time Podcast. I've been Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for listening. Subscribe to us on all good podcasting platforms. Also, leave us a review and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at NL Full Time. We'll see you all very soon.